Meanwhile, I'm like, is there any conversation I've ever had in my life where Jesus naturally flowed into it? The answer is no. (laughs) And the times I tried, it felt kind of like a slow motion train wreck. (laughs) It was horrible. Painful image. You're listening to If That Makes Sense, the Family Life original podcast where we talk about what life is really like as a Christian in your 20s. I'm Tim, here with Mary, Mike, and Robbie. Okay, guys, we're talking about the big W, witnessing. I sent you all some questions ahead of time. Question number one, how are you with witnessing, and how do you feel about that word? Every one of us would say we love it so much and are so good at it. My question to number one, (laughs) not great. How do you feel about the word? I don't like it. That's all I have. <laughs> Those are good answers. Well, Mike answered it pretty succinctly. <sighs> I would say the same. I think it's very challenging. I think another challenge is I run in a lot of Christian circles and so partly feel like it's hard to even interact with people mm. that need it. So that makes it really hard to yes. get out into the world. Very difficult because I'm either here or church. Mm-hmm. Or home. Yep. Mm-hmm. And ignoring yep. my neighbors because they smell funny. <laughs> <laughs> right. Honesty right. with. I think, I think that last one is the one <laughs> where you'd find this probably. And uh, I, I know you have, though. I know you've done that. And that's not easy. And it makes me think about a verse Be willing to associate with those of low estate. Yes. That's probably where some of our barriers come in when it comes to witnessing because we just think. Whoa, but this is really uncomfortable, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it doesn't mean that, right? Mm-hmm. Right, no. Of course not. Yeah. I'll, I'll just say all the highlighted words on my paper, which is door-to-door, strangers, conversation, terrible people, apply, no, life, actions, words, not. <laughs> I want no and wrong with that. Can you go back to the terrible people part? <laughs> I want to know where that comes from. Okay. My curiosity is peaked. <laughs> Okay, I'll just read the whole thing. It's, a, it's just a paragraph. When I think of witnessing, I think of going door to door, talking to strangers, going up to someone at the store, and starting a conversation about how they're terrible people and need Jesus. There you go. I see. Yes. Mm-hmm. However, when I attempt to apply that word to my life, I see it as more of a getting to know someone and showing them Jesus with my life, my actions, and my words. And honestly, I am not good at it. So the second part sounded like a pretty healthy understanding. (laughs) It's like, oh, when I think about this word, it usually ends up like this kind of thing. What I'd really like for it to be is just this other thing. (laughs) Why do we hold ourselves to the definition that we all kind of agree isn't super effective, has never helped us out, has never been enjoyable, doesn't even look like it's really in the Bible, Oh, but that's what we have to do. I wish it could just be this other thing, like, you know, kind of how Paul talks about being a witness for Christ and how Jesus wants us to live our lives. But it's a real shame that we're stuck with this other thing that we all hate, witnessing. So scary. And that's part of why I ask how you feel about that word, because we've made it, like, grammar-wise, a different thing than it started out as. It started at, well, being a witness. I think that it's finding that balance between the two because Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. sometimes I swing that way 
And then sometimes I swing the way of like, well, I don't ever need to say anything. I only ever need to smile and be polite and be kind. But I don't ever actually have to talk about sin and separation from God and Jesus and what he did. You know, so it's like at some point in the relationship, because I think building relationships is, I feel like it has to start there. Yeah. You can't tell someone to change their life if you don't know them. And there's that classic, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But it's true. <laughs> I think I, we can finish the podcast now. That was good. It's Ta-da. so true. <laughs> and so, like, I feel like you have to show them that you care. But then at some point, it has to turn into a conversation, I think. Right. I don't think it's effective to just go knock on a door and say, you're going to hell, but here's the answer. I actually think that part of what we're saying, what is the, what's the old, you know, the phrase is door-to-door salesman. And we might not always go door-to-door as evangelicals and turn people off by being salesmen in that regard, but how often are we salespeople and just advertising and commercializing, consumerizing how we do try to share the gospel? We do often approach it as, I've got my pitch and your witness is your pitch. And to be a good witness, you've got to find the right way to make them want your product. See, and that's where I think that it lacks the love because I had a huge epiphany last super summer and I was like, oh, God loves me. And I think because I was raised in this Christian church, it just was knowledge. Like, God loves me, God loves me, Jesus loves me, this I know, boy, that Bible tells me so. But it was this realization that, like, oh, but wait, he actually does love me. And that was really revolutionary because it it made me realize, wow, if he loves me this much, I should be like, Mary, have you heard about this God? Oh, he loves you so much. Mike, can you believe he he sent his son to die for you because he loves you. And Tim, he's so madly in love with you. It's like when you're engaged and you're like, this is a picture of my fiance. She's amazing. You know, it's <laughs> like you want to tell people about someone you love. You want to talk about someone. Oh, my wife did this amazing thing for me. I just love her so much. You know, it's like you just want to talk about someone that you love. You don't have to be like, well, let me tell you about my wife. Because I'm <laughs> supposed to, to, I'm supposed to tell you, it's like you, it just oozes from you because you love her so much and she loves you so much. And because it's so beautiful, you can't help but talk about it all the time. And it's like that. We're like, we're the bride of Christ. Mm. And it's, so it's supposed to be like this marriage where you're like, I need to tell you about this. And Love, I feel like, is your motivation. It has to be your motivation. Otherwise, you're missing the point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's easier to be a witness out of guilt. Like, Jesus told me I'm supposed to tell you about this, so there you go. But I don't actually love you. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Because you have to love the person that you're talking to. You have to have the love for the person and the love for God in order for it to work, <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> So I looked up the definition of a witness. A witness is somebody who sees something and then tells about it, right? In our judicial system, that's how we use a witness. That's how Moses was a witness. That's how Isaiah was a witness. That's how Paul was a witness. They all physically saw things 
and then physically told people what they saw. And I think that's sort of our stereotypical, this is what witnessing is. See and then tell everybody we know these things. And I want to suggest that it might be a little bit more than that because I don't physically see Jesus walking around on this earth like they did back then. I'm not like Moses where I physically heard the voice of God or physically saw him, but I do experience him. And then digging more deeply into the word witness and his origins and in the Hebrew and uh, things like that, it's not talking about physically telling, it's talking about representing, how we're representing Christ. And so I, I'm tending to, to look at it a little bit more like that. Here's what I wrote. I need to remind myself that God gifts people differently. I have friends, and I won't say who they are, who can weave Jesus into literally any conversation with any person and who find open doors on a daily basis. Now, Robbie tells me it's not as easy as he makes it seem. Oh, you said you weren't going to name anybody. <gasps> oh, it's not Robbie. I'm, I'm just... But theoretically, Robbie tells <laughs> theoretically. me for his, friend, for his friend, it's not as easy He tells as me seems. it's not as easy as he makes it seem. I don't know about that. Meanwhile, I'm like, is there any conversation I've ever had in my life where Jesus naturally flowed into it? The answer is no. <laughs> and the times I tried, I'm going to use Preston's uh, analogy, it felt kind of like a slow motion train wreck. <laughs> it was horrible. Painful image. <laughs> See, I heard, I heard an undisclosed, I heard an undisclosed other source say. Um, that he thought his roommate actually had did a really good job with that, and that it was a really good opportunity. Wow, I don't I don't know who said that, but I, know. I don't know that's who they were talking about. That's because I was really discreet about who it was. But, but that's what Robbie told me. Here, here's <laughs> so what I discreetness <laughs> happening in this room right now. This is what I'm saying. That's not me. I can't do that. Now that doesn't exempt me. That's not like God saying, "Oh, well, you don't have to do that then." Um, that just means I need to uh, keep trying <laughs> and work harder. But I do want to suggest that being a witness goes beyond just talking about him. Um, I think that we should be representing him in the way we live our lives every day. It's not just a conversation we have with somebody. I love what Robbie said about building the relationship first. I love what Robbie said about people don't care about what you know until they know that you care. I think that's so true. I think it goes beyond what we're saying. Is Talking isn't going to cut it. It has to be how we live our lives. And then someone shouldn't be surprised when they learn that I'm a Christian. If they learn that I'm a Christian and they're surprised by that, then we have issues, <laughs> basically. <laughs> Bible school, uh, one of our sort of assignments uh, was we had a 10-day outreach and we got split up into groups of students and we went to a church, but we would go and we would help that church with their outreach ministries. Um, so my group, we led the service, we led uh, 
youth group and a Bible study. But my favorite part was, and also my least favorite part at the same time, <laughs> was we went to uh, like a homeless shelter, soup kitchen type place, and uh, we each had to share our testimony. It was so scary, let me tell you. I, I was so nervous. I was praying. I was like, okay, God, give me the words because I'm going to get up there and I'm just going to not have any words. At one point, I I don't even remember what it was that I said, um, but I, I was about to say something and then I was like, no, I need to say it like this. And I did. And that led to a later conversation with a couple of the homeless people because they're like, I've never heard that God is like that. What are you talking about? And and so I guess that's kind of an encouragement when you're nervous about talking to someone about Jesus. He'll give you the words because he is there with you and he wants you to tell people about him, but you have to trust him. Well, you can't cool do it yourself. Is, it's your story. Like you're like, mm-hmm. this is what happened to me. I just told my story. Mm-hmm. And then people asked me, wait, Tell me, tell me that one part again. You know, like, I feel like that's part of it is like, let me tell you my story. Mm-hmm. Not let me tell you a story you need to hear. But I have, I have a story of what happened to me. That's what I was thinking when, Mike, you were talking about witnessing and the word witness. We're, we're supposed to be telling people what we've seen and what we've seen is our life, how we've seen God in our lives and, and working in our lives. Just that's a powerful story right there. Even if it's I was born in a Christian home and I've been a Christian since I was a little kid and I've gone to church every Sunday. And like that's a powerful story, too, because that's a good point. <laughs> like mm-hmm. every story is powerful and every story will speak to different people in different ways. And you never know how until you tell the story. Yeah, that's really good. Bible school, ladies Um, and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) Go to Bible school. Well, to what you just said, Mary, is um, I don't know if this is even anything that's valuable, but a a time that really intimidated me because I felt like I messed up the opportunity was kind of based on just what you said. The what's my testimony? I've had an easy life. Uh, used to be involved in a prison ministry in school. Um, I know that sounds a lot more hardcore than it really was. It was actually really easy and kind of fun. But regardless, I was involved in this prison ministry and was trying to share the gospel with a guy. And there were really mostly one kind of person you'd talk to, the guy who was a believer, who believed at some point in time and got mixed up in the wrong things. And there he is. He's in jail. So he's talking to you and you're pretty much talking to him. You're encouraging a believer in prison, actually, which is kind of interesting because that's what Paul talks about doing. But so here I'm talking, though, to a guy who's not a believer and he's actually looking for hope. And I was like, whoa, this is this is getting real. And this dude is like as gruff as they come. Like, whoa, I can picture you on a motorcycle like this guy was like, anyways, stereotypes. And he was talking to me with tears in his eyes about all this stuff that's gone wrong in his life and all these bad decisions he's made and all these things that he's kept getting himself into. Like, but how can I change? This just keeps following me around. How, how is there any hope out of it? Talking to him about the gospel this whole time and about the Bible and stuff. And I felt like I didn't have an answer. 
I felt like I didn't know what to tell him because I don't understand myself as having gotten out of the kind of place you're in, overcome a sin addiction. Now, if I'm thinking honestly about myself, I should know, look, sin is sin. Your story can apply to his story. I just felt really trapped though and felt like I didn't know how to confidently give him the hope I have in Jesus and say, Jesus is, you know, even now I'm talking about, I'm thinking, what what do I say? Trust Jesus and you won't do drugs anymore? Well, I, I don't know. I know a lot of people who struggle with that, or I've, I've known Christians who struggle with that, or whatever it happens to be. I, I, I don't even remember my answer, but it was something to the effect of, I don't know, but Jesus. And I think maybe that's the best I could have done at the time. But I felt like I was hindered by, not my lack of testimony, I felt like I was hindered by my lack of understanding myself as a witness, even though, even though I really am, my life might not look like a dramatic story, but it's up to me to understand that my story really is a witness for Jesus. I was saved from condemnation, saved from separation from God, from my sin. And I can share that hope confidently, no matter who I am, if I know Jesus. And one thing you brought up that uh, sort of triggered something when you are talking to someone and they ask you a question, like, I'm always afraid that when I go and, quote unquote, witness to someone and they start asking me questions that I don't know the answer to. That's mm-hmm. that's a big, big uh, fear that I have when, yeah. when um, doing that. But if you don't know the answer, it's almost just as powerful to say, I don't know. Let's mm-hmm. figure it out. And and like in your instance, I don't know that you could have like gotten back to him with an answer or been like, sure. here, talk to this person who might be able to help you. But just acknowledging that, yeah, I don't actually know the answer to that question, but I'm going to think about it, you know? Definitely. That's really Shows good. that you're humble enough not to be like, well, I know everything. Yeah. <laughs> The answer to the last question, what do you, what barriers do you see to being a witness in the America of 2020? Well, I wrote an entire page on it. Okay. <laughs> One thing that I was thinking specifically a barrier in 2020 is with all of the political division right now, it appears to me as though a particular political party now represents evangelical Christianity. Mm. I see that as a barrier because now there's all types of stigmas and stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And that's just one more thing, one more hurdle to climb over. And I think really at the end of the day, for that barrier and any barrier that we face, it's, I think it's really about... talking less and just representing Christ more because your words are empty if there's no actions to follow them and just be be a witness for Christ somebody who represents him and cuz I, I think it's a huge hindrance when when people talk it especially on social media but you see them talking from a perspective of hatred or a, or a place where what they're saying doesn't line up with what they're doing. 
I love I love the 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 meme that I don't know if it's a meme or what, saying be a be a Christian first and a patriot second, and right now with all the stuff that's going on, how often are we a patriot first and we actually use our Christianity sort of as this fuel source to to get out there and even more hatred? Uh huh. Um, uh huh. Yeah, because we're citizens. But we're dual citizens, you know, and it's not original to me to say that at all. We're citizens first of the kingdom of heaven. We're citizens first of God's kingdom. And God's kingdom is wherever we are in America, in China, in England, in Haiti. And that should make us be the best Americans, I think, that we can be. But it's because we're Christians, you know, that, that we can be the best people we can possibly be for our country. And that doesn't mean that your country comes first in all things. It means your allegiance to Christ comes first in all things. And to the extent that that jives with the the good of your country. Anyways, so yes, citizens of the kingdom of heaven first and of our earthly kingdoms. Yeah, they are secondary. And I've been to foreign countries and been like, I cannot wait to get back home to where I belong. Mm. It's like, what if I viewed my real citizenship that's this way. Like, ugh, I don't oh, belong in America. Wow. I really belong in heaven. I can't wait to get back there. Wow. But because we've never been there, we don't know. But That's really cool. That's a really good visual. Wow. Yeah, hmm. <laughs> yeah my, my answer to the question is so many barriers. 2020 has uh, yeah. every wall yeah. up to... So there's uh, all this social distancing and mask, no mask, all like all of that. And then there's all of the civil unrest that's going on and um, all of the hatred that's being tossed around with that. And that can be a huge barrier as well. Page flip. <laughs> Chair squeak, page flip, all over at once. All the sound effects. Yeah. And then that's on top of all of the quote-unquote barriers that were there before this year happened, sure. such as, at least for me personally, um, fear of what other people will think. I'm afraid of how they will view me if I act like this Bible-pushing Christian, you know, if you go back to the idea of witnessing that we had at the beginning. Part of that, at least for me personally, is because my education growing up was very, very Christian, old-fashioned. It was like set in the 80s for some reason. Um, <laughs> Christian but, textbooks, man. That's yeah. where you get the good ones. <laughs> but, but I think because of that, it made me sort of afraid to feel comfortable talking to someone about Jesus because I don't want them to think of me as a person who thinks I'm right, you're wrong, you need Jesus, or you're going to hell, and all this stuff. And that's, yes, that's true, uh-huh. but without the lens of love over yeah, top of right. it all. Because there's so much pride sometimes mm-hmm. associated with that fire and brimstone caricature of somebody who goes around and is self-righteous in how they present the gospel to you. And it's it's not that the gospel that they're presenting is factually wrong necessarily, but there's 
There's a lot of, they're making barriers they don't need to. They're putting up walls they don't need to by presenting it in a self-righteous way. And now that's an inherited wall for us because we're thinking, I don't want to be that. And I feel like I'm already predisposed to be viewed that way by those outside the faith. Right. Well, and I've also heard so many stories of people who had that experience of a Christian yeah. going up to them and just being, beating the Bible on their head. Yeah. I don't know whatever the saying is. Um, <laughs> Something Bible thumper. Like I don't yeah. know. Um, and and how that turned them away from from Christianity and put a sour taste in their mouth of definitely of everything that is really a wonderful and and loving thing and and seeing it as something to be afraid of and hated. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. But also on on sort of uh, a flipped coin. Um, this, the, the struggles of this year have also opened up, I think, a lot of opportunities. People are scared. They're hurting. They, they're looking for someone who is in control. They're looking for someone as a source of security because this world right now is the opposite of that. But I, I think it's also a really good opportunity for us as Christians to be going out there and sharing God's love with people who are hurting and, and need that comfort. Mm-hmm. I want to say a word to past Tim here. I do this every now and then. Sometimes I thank him for stuff like, oh, past Tim put my lunch in the fridge this morning, last night. Thanks, past Tim. Well, I'm going to say past Tim was wrong about something. A few episodes back when we were talking about the pandemic initially, I was saying, is that because you're shocked that I was wrong? I remember this. I know know where you're going with this. I I remember saying like, Mm -hmm. I've heard people say that this pandemic is going to, you know, increase church attendance. And is that really going to happen? I don't know. I'm not optimistic about that. I'm more optimistic about Christians living like Christ. And that's how change gets influenced. And I still believe that second part that Christians acting like Christ is the way that that something like a tragedy, like a pandemic and political unrest and everything, that Christians acting like Christ during that is the only way that a lasting impact is going to happen for the kingdom of God on earth and in America. But I got to just say, I really think I'm just flat wrong about people not really attending church more as a result of things. I can see it, even though there are people distancing from church and sometimes, you know, for COVID distance and stuff. But people are considering church now. I've seen them in my own life who weren't before. People are saying, whoa, this is scary. I need hope. It feels like this faith thing is a place people find hope. And uh, I'm glad when my cynical self is proved wrong at times. And, uh, you know, this is not that far out to be able to statistically say I was proven wrong, but I can at least say in my circles, I've started to see it, an increased response of people wanting to be a part of church, people who didn't previously have anything to do with church because they're looking for hope. And Mary, you're absolutely right. That is a flip side of the coin. There are definitely new walls we face in 2020 to sharing our faith. But there's also a really wide open door. And the darkness around that door shows clearly how much light comes through that door right now. And I think people want that. 
Thanks so much for listening to another episode of If That Makes Sense. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, we'd be so glad if you shared it where you share things you care about with the people you care about. And remember that Family Life has other original podcasts, including, but not limited to, 10 Minutes With. That's interviews with Christian names you'll know, like most recently, Austin French, in about 10 minutes. If you've got 10 minutes, you've got time to listen. And also, Therese Talk, conversations with great guests, hosted by Family Life Morning's co-host, Therese Main. You can check those out by searching Therese Talk or 10 Minutes With wherever you get your podcasts or at fln.org slash podcast. Thank you so much again, and we hope you join us for the next one.